Hello and welcome to another edition of Spotlight, our 13 film mission to explore the Star Trek movie franchise for a non-Trekkie perspective. With me, Liam Dempsey. Paul Wilson. And Matt Brothers. Yeah, this is our seventh episode. Um, I realise today we are now halfway through, more than halfway through. Well, we, well, yeah, with this one, because there's 13 yeah, films. Um, so more than halfway through the, the movies, once we've completed this one. So, yeah, basically we've done the original series movies, which is the first six. Um, last month we did The Undiscovered Country, uh, which said goodbye to uh, Kirk a and his crew. farewell. Generously yeah. well by all uh, fans here. We all and, really enjoyed it. And uh, our special guest Tom really, really enjoyed it too. Yeah, uh, it, it was great. Um, but now we're at the point where we're about to begin the journeys of the Next Generation crew. So at this point, Matt, um, being that you, out of the three of us, were probably the biggest Star Trek novice before we came to this. Definitely. Yeah, well, definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, how have your feelings changed after seeing all six of the original series crew films in order? What are your feelings now? Well, you know, it's really impressive when you think about the, uh, the consistent quality of these films. For a franchise to have this many sequels in, because you know, series that run sequel after sequel, often just two years after, they normally kind of peter out and have dips and troughs. And for me, it was kind of pretty consistent, other than a, you know, debatably shaky start and a horrendous search for Spock. So well, yeah, that, so, <laughs> the search for Spock really, I get the impression, is the only film you didn't like. Because even motion picture, you had a lot of good to say about yeah, it. Yeah, and coming into motion picture, I was like, you know, I had no idea where to set the bar, so I had nothing to compare it yeah. against. And so for me, that came in a solid middle as like I enjoyed it I can see why a lot of people had a lot of problems with and even with Spock now looking back I can after you read out some of the comments last month I can see you can why, see how wrong you were uh, no I can see, <laughs> I can see how even some people wrong people would, would enjoy it um, but no I mean despite themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean because a lot of series it seems they either have kind of trilogies or there's a lot of gaps between them if you look at the franchises that have this amount of films out in a row, it's you know it's stuff like you know when Elm Streets and yeah, Hellraisers yeah. is often like horror series, pretty trashy stuff. Yeah, so for this to not get trashy essentially, um, and to remain for me peaking out at the top because we've undiscovered it, kind of really came back to where we were. Kind There's of. not many film franchises where they have a six in the title and it's actually one of the better outings. Yeah, yeah. very true. Well, yeah. Any. <laughs> yeah, yeah. City Under Siege. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not... Uh, yeah, there's Saw not... Saw 6, like, you know, I don't know what... You, oh, you... Saw 6 was good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but you've actually, actually done a rewatch of the Nightmare films of like, Yeah, I did. Freddy's Dead. Freddy's Dead is horrendous, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you but, go. Uh, but no, I love the Elm Street films. And and they in, go up and down. It's interesting as well, like, there's not many franchises that still number their sequels past 6, and this is one of those where yeah. you drop the, the Roman numerals after this point, and, uh, and even Star Wars did it. In the title, I mean, Star Wars is Star Wars: The Force Awakens, not yeah. Star Wars Episode Seven, and all yeah, publicity true. materials. Which so. is funny because the prequels were very much episode something, weren't they? Like it was yeah. right there in the logo. Well, I Return of the Jedi wasn't named as an episode when it came out. Was yeah, it? So, yeah. The official title, like if you search on IMDb, is Star Wars Episode Six: The Return of the Jedi. Or e- even Jedi. when it came out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is that what about Star Wars? Star Wars, when it was released, was just Star Wars until 1981, when it was re-released in cinemas. So that's when before. they start shoving the yeah, episodes. Yeah. Well, in because the well, no, because Episode Five premiered with Episode Five on it, and at that point, everybody knew. Oh, so that was just yeah, Episode Four. We saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it just when they came to Star Wars Episode Seven, like it was. A Force Awakens, yes, like, and yeah. and this is the Last Jedi. So they're taking the numbers off. Yeah, which I think obviously I always presume the getting rid of the numbers is a thing to not put off new audience members. I think that's it. All yeah. they're embarrassed you know. that it's this. It's like, oh god. And I think that oh, it man. really was. I think with Star Trek, there was six, the Undiscovered Country. I mean, that after you know a lot of people who might have been stung by five or uh, were just they're trying to get new audience members. It's like that is not. So like people go out of the blue to watch, is it? And, uh, <laughs> it's almost like a punchline to a joke, isn't it? If, if a fifth film on a franchise is called The Final Frontier, and you think, mm. oh, this is it, to then have another one, it's like. It's like, oh, you know, you're going to see Star Trek Six. They're back for more. Are you doing? I think I'd be slightly embarrassed saying, oh, oh yeah, mum, we, I'm just going out. Where are you going to see Star Trek Six? The, <laughs> just, where are you going? To take some class, eh, <laughs> jugs? No, no, see Star Trek: The Undiscovered Country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I did think Undiscovered Country was a really great end yeah, point really in good. general for all the cast for that era of the films and um, I you know I knew I think generations in my head always skipped over like not like I'd seen them but whenever I think of the TNG films it's always first contact and I think because it's got first in it I just thought this is the first one well so that's the first holy yeah. teaching even though I would argue Generations is very much an next generation movie but obviously because there's still small cast members yeah, it feels coming in, like coming you know, into this knowing that this is kind of a transition film and, and Kirk's in it and stuff I still had no idea how much of the plot was going to be revolved around old cast and new I'm so glad we did trailer watch after the film yeah that. yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's spoilerville isn't it it is spoilerville uh, we'll touch on that later on okay yeah. so yeah so at this point what, what what's your feelings Matt Art, because the whole idea was you know can you become a Trekkie from just the films so then from so in the sense of after watching these first six would you want to go back to the original series um, and explore more of that crew's adventures. Yeah, well, it's funny. Like, I've definitely felt um, an attachment to these characters. So, like, you know, when we kind of done with Five, it was like, if I'd been there at the time, it would have been, oh, I'm really excited to see more adventures of these guys. So in terms of getting together this cast of characters for, like, a film franchise, if I came in fresh as I did on motion picture, I was really invested and so, yeah, the idea of kind of shaking it all up again has been a bit because I know even less about these new guys than what. I As proved before. by your quiz results My last quiz. time, where you flunked the academy. <laughs> okay, you you're not going to Starfleet. Well, something interesting to do at a later date might be to kind of go back because obviously with something like Star Trek, yeah. it's so. Now I'm an expert. There, 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 there's so much fan kind of you know stuff online. There's hundreds of lists of best of episodes, and like something that might be quite interesting interested to go back to find what's considered the best episode of the original series well, and go back and watch that there's that famous episode of Future Armor where no fan has gone before where they get the majority of the original cast back to do their voices I think and that was my biggest exposure to them so I yeah, have to rewatch that I think we'll now 87 episode 13 good ones <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've now got my own keys and yeah. <laughs> so on to today's film Star Trek Generations uh, 1994 um, the passing of the baton from Captain Kirk to Captain Jean-Luc Picard uh, as Paul was saying last month 
we quizzed uh, mm. Matthew. Um, our very own. Yeah. You'll have to the Adventures of Visor Man because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to call him Visor Man. <laughs> like uh, you, you have to pronounce what's the test they do in Star Trek Two? Maru. Yeah, yeah, and you failed. <laughs> <laughs> you killed the whole crew. I've been blown up. You did know into space. It went for seven years, and it's remarkable to think that actually Star Trek Five and Six were were being made whilst this show was on the air from nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's really crazy. crazy. It is really odd to think about that and um, it's funny last time uh, out last month Tom brought along a um, the first issue of the Star Trek Next Generation comic book uh, released in 1990 DC? Uh, I don't know um, but the in the back page it's sort of just a little bit of note from the editor about the state of Trek at that time and <laughs> no it's not rubbish <laughs> don't buy it we just like you know um, sort of mission statement we need to sort of because um, without the internet this is like yeah. some people might be relying on publications I to, get my uh, news from the back of comics yeah, <laughs> it is. and it says you know oh just confirm there will be a sixth Star Trek film and mm. it will feature and in italics the original crew almost like there's there's a lot of next gen fans who just want to do a, a motion picture film yeah of course um, but fortunately they had to make do for, with two partners and some two partners were fantastic at next gen I mean yeah well, well I we, think we, we'll we probably would, we'll touch on those later on I, I assume it's always time. the plan to get the next gen crew into movie territory after a while to repeat what they did before yeah I think it was it was always the, the show was massively popular after mm. the third series the ratings were really high um, and it would and they think I mean I've been listening to the commentary before about this film for generations it's the two writers Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga but Brandon Braga went on to do Evolution Hospital 2 and um, Battlestar Galactica yeah. for Ronald D. Moore so they, you know, they've been around and really gone on going places since this uh, but they record this commentary to say like um, that at this point in time 1994 this was Star Trek at its most popular it's ever been and, and so saturated in the public consciousness because you've got the original crew still pretty much just finally finishing off their you know whole tenure with like the return of a few characters for this film. We've got Next Gen has finished its seven year run. It's amazing. We've got Deep Space Nine has premiered a year before. That's on television, and the pre production's begun on the third, sorry, fourth show, Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, because that came really fast, isn't it? That that that's on while Deep Space Nine is on and everything like yeah, that. They're right. on well, the same yeah. time. So yeah, TNG six season yeah is uh, the beginning of DS Nine, and there's yeah. a crossover there. So the universe is expanding yeah. really yeah. fast. You've got comic books. You've got you know this big movie with you know two uh, crews meeting. I think you know this is actually Trek at its most its peak. Yeah, it's Zenith, Yeah, um, and they sort of say it's a very special time, and they could still only scrape together thirty-five million dollars for this film, which is um, mad. Yeah, um, it's nineteen ninety-four now. Yeah, it's, you know, so like, it's only five more million than the Star Trek Six was afforded, and still less the motion picture ended up ballooning to in nineteen seventy-nine. Yeah. And um, but I suppose there is like the Enterprise D sets are literally they they had a week's gap between the filming the finale of the show, mm. the terrific uh, two part all good things, and then going into this. So they didn't no rest for the crew. Apparently they did spruce up that set a bit though, yeah, like, like polished it up a bit. Yeah, the actual bridge set has like um, sort of extra you know stations along the sides, and it's relit by um, a great cinematographer John Alonso who is famous for Chinatown so they bought in some like A-grade cinematographers yes yeah, yeah I um, saw the, the Chinatown and, and you know yeah. they've done they've really rolled out the carpet in terms of like trying to um, light the, the TV sets in a different way like um, the key light being a sun 
for a lot of scenes, and it really adds like to the drama of like the the early scenes. So I imagine the show looks really flat because of very flat, very flat. It looks really overlit. It looks like your lounge like (laughs) a lot of the time. But that's because they had to just bash these shows out. There was no time to change the lighting. Um, It's something like twenty-seven episodes a year, wasn't it? Like syndicated, like big fucking seasons. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. one hundred and like seventy-seven episodes of the show or something like that. And it was all done by the time the film came out. Yes, yeah, it was finished. Yeah, All, all good things would have gone out. What a couple of months before this, yeah. or yeah, it, what it was like straight off, wasn't it? It was like literally would have finished at the like well, end this, of the '94 season, then this come in. Yeah, so this premiered in uh, the end of tail end of December '94, and then I think in England it would probably January. And I remember this is the first Donald film I saw in the cinema. Oh, okay. Uh, convincing my dad to take it, and I think this is basically as at the point I was most obsessed with Star Trek right and I think you know probably time for some like uh, um, confessions really because uh, <laughs> I was I was well into Trek at this point so much so I had like the, my mic machines and I did go on a mission to try and like uh, unearth some up in my dad's attic for this episode and was unable to find them which is really sad <laughs> <laughs> the Star Wars toys there. <laughs> do you yeah. think they've been sold off at some point I think they probably uh, went in the bin um, just I, I'm really angry about that. Like, the, yeah, I, was, I know. We're moving house, and I think I just got panic stations. Just like you just got to do something with this stuff. Like, oh, what's this crap? Chuck we're, we're, we're gonna get some complaints in. Chuck oh in no! I mean, well, toys. looking on eBay now, like you know, there was a, there was a substantial pound value. Tax <laughs> but you know, I had um, a, a very like, a big fan of the Next Generation by this point. You know, I never quite got into DS9, but Next Gen was my thing. To see them on the big screen, it was a big event, and uh, so we're going to the ABC in Bournemouth. And yeah, uh, recently deceased. Oh, that's a sh- yeah, yeah, no, recently Fantastic. closed down. Very yeah. sad. It's the yeah. biggest screen in the south, like four hundred seats, and the last and the ABC. Last ABC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really, really awful to see it go. Um, but uh, from childhood devastation of Star Trek toys being thrown away to Matt Brothers now being introduced to the next generation crew without life. the benefit of having seen any episodes life finds a way it's a cycle <laughs> of the TV series what were your first impressions so about? first impressions were very different with this one I think funny enough coming straight into motion picture maybe it was just because of the cultural osmosis of knowing the basics of the original crew it didn't and it was very much a kind of reboot to everything it felt like quite an easy way in whereas this one more than any did feel like I was kind of leaping into a TV show I had not seen a single episode season 8 um, maybe not at the start because of the uh, the opening with um, the original guys but we talk about the TNG stuff yeah, yeah once it got to that I was very quickly trying to be like oh my god who's who who does what I think in my head I was just obsessed with trying to line up the parallels so I was like so if Picard's the new Kirk who's the new Spock and I'm thinking I'm guessing Data because yeah. Vulcan logic yeah. to yeah. robot guy. Yeah. I can see that although his number one is number one Riker of course um, and I guess the new Scotty is the new visor man or LaForge <laughs> LaForge is it like he's French no it's LaForge LaForge yeah. okay Jean-Luc Picard and then, uh, yeah he's definitely French but has an English accent so, yeah, yeah and then trying to work out, the, work out the <laughs> others so who was kind of like the new Sulu and the new Doctor and all that sort of thing yeah um but it felt very kind of busy, like it very kind of kicked off once it got to them, apart from obviously the quite jarring introduction with them yeah. on the pirate ship, which I found quite funny. Mm, we'll get back to that, go on. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, so it's just trying to keep up and kind of work out what, what was happening. Did you 
like movie. Well, the TNG <laughs> see, first, the TNG crew. First, the crew. Uh, yeah, like um, I really take to Picard. He's very kind of authoritative, and in a way that Kirk never was. Kirk seemed very kind of engaged. Yeah, it's just like, oh my god, I'll, I'll do whatever this guy says. Like, don't let him near me. Just do it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I guess it's nice to see like uh, a Klingon on the crew because coming into this, yeah. Klingons are like bad and guys. You've and met the actor before as uh, yeah. his ancestor in Undiscovered Country. That wasn't the same guy. The same actor, yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to think that another eight years in the future, Klingon human relations are enough that they can be on the crew. Is that yeah. was that well, thing yeah. in the show? Well, like, the you know, yeah. He, I mean, they were. It's, period of peace with the Klingon Empire mm. at the start of Next Gen. There's, you know, obviously a treaty, like, has been signed. So people would know this already going into what Star Trek VI if they were following the show. So it's almost like a prequel to how did the peace get made. Mm. Uh, yeah, 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 true. Uh, I had that in my notes for last time, but I, you know, thought it would actually better to sort of bring up now that Wolf, you know, a fully fledged member of the show and, um, of the crew. And um, with Wolf, like, um, he was always quite torn as well. He still had some loyalties, and there was lots of Klingons who looked down at him for, like, slumming it with the humans. But, um, I imagine there are episodes where he's like, where did my loyalties Well, really in fact, or? this is the uh, origin of the um, the sisters, like, um, because the, there's a two part, I think, redemption, it's called, where Wolf leaves Starfleet because there's a Klingon civil war and he has to go back and he feels like his duty is to protect like you know essentially uh, the Klingon like uh, high command who are under threat from the mm. insurgents and, the, and I think they, they try to overthrow them then so it's a return from the, the, those two characters but I I think at seeing this film I actually didn't know that who the sisters were so, it so was, they do I was appear like, in the show or they're just they do in, no they do appear in the show so the they're same actresses. actresses yeah oh, okay like yeah I mean totally Worf being on the team is very much an example of Roddenberry's utopian vision isn't it that's like going there's no walkers look even the most warlike people they're fine now as well they're yeah. all kind of hanging out um, so yeah Generations uh, first TNG um, film as you say you can't compare it to motion picture there uh, I personally feel that this is more successful than motion picture but I know that many may not agree it's certainly a very different kind of film yeah I think it might actually be harder to, uh, for somebody coming into this like, like you say Matt because the next gen oh, uh, yeah, crew, yeah, yeah. if you hadn't seen You're the kind show of messing with time and yes. both it eras is, it and... is a lot to take in actually and you know and the concept of the Nexus itself is very problematic for me and I'll get yes. to that a little bit later on um, for the last third but yeah, I think the opening, I absolutely loved the opening with Enterprise B. Yeah. Uh, really exciting sequence. With Kirk. With Kirk. Yeah, great. And to see him like just pacing around the mm. bridge when he when he can see they really are not qualified yeah. to yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's raring to go. I love seeing Kirk, the fact that he keeps cutting back to him. And he's like halfway out of his seat the whole time. <laughs> oh, do you need me to take over, do you? Oh, yeah, I don't think you should be running the show. I think it should be me. I'm not retired anymore. <laughs> Check. <laughs> it's very res- it's very respectful like the chain command but like yeah. it but when he looks over at him and just bef- when they go to warp like and Ruck sits back in his chair this is Alan Ruck playing Captain Harriman I think of the Enterprise B mm. uh, look you know he's looking forward but he looks over at Kirk he's just, he, he is like 
shitting a brick. Like, yeah, doing it's like he shots. wants Kurt to yeah. take well, over. Well, yeah, well, he's just no. I mean, can you imagine the pressure on him having a living legend there when a crisis happens? It's like oh, Decker it's, all over again, and where <laughs> nothing's ready till Tuesday. So yeah, yeah. yeah, he's like, you haven't got this, you haven't got that. <laughs> oh God, have you? Got, uh, <laughs> I, I get, I get like a, a little cheap Star Trek thrill when um, he says, "Okay, let's get the torpedoes. We can like simulate a photon burst." And he goes, "Yeah," and then Kurt just gives the order. Goes like, "I'm putting on torpedoes. Ready to fire on my command." And uh, he's just like, "Look, don't ask the captain." Well, just, yeah, like, he has pretty much assumed control of the vessel it and he's actually retired at this point this yeah. little bit he's like I mean when they turn up at the start and they say they're actually retired I did see them use Kirk Chekhov and Scotty um, of course it was originally meant to be the entire original crew then that got knocked down to Kirk Bones and uh, Spock then uh, DeForest, DeForest and Leonard didn't want to do it, so they got replaced with Chekhov and Scotty, yeah. which caused problems. They didn't change any of the lines. <laughs> um, which apparently, because you mentioned the last episode, there's uh, an episode of Starship Next Generation with Scotty in it. Yes. And apparently this causes continuity errors with that, because in that episode, Scotty says, oh yeah, I know Kurt, it's still alive and well, but of course he watched him die here. Well, so it doesn't make sense. Oh right, okay, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. He, 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 <laughs> yeah. To be dead. he thinks he, he thinks he's dead. The history as far as he's is like, history. Died in that yeah. Attack, yeah. So he died, and but you do think you fucking how old are these fuckers now? Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm really surprised Dewan came back. I thought yeah. he would have been done with it at that point. But um, even though it sounds like casting ups and downs of who was coming back, I do like that it was only three of them. I do kind of like it was it was those guys really. I think yeah. it, if it was yeah. if it was Kirk, Spock, and Bones, it would feel a bit more like let's shove in the three main but because it's just kind of random team members and it's nice to see those guys uh... and also I suppose maybe you wouldn't believe that Kirk would die in that moment I know obviously he doesn't really but you wouldn't believe that he would die in that moment if Bones and Spock Bones and Spock seem too capable in terms of you think those guys they'd sort it all out together yeah. whereas Scotty and Chekhov are a bit more oh, well you do feel like yeah, Kirk is alone there bouncing yeah. down in the bowels of the ship like, yeah. and he does save the day and it's like it's quite a heroic death actually yeah. If, yeah, if that yeah. was to be his final action mm. that was uh, you know he does save the ship saves the Enterprise for a new crew like yeah, for the next generation, essentially. So. I mean, <laughs> what I find funny is the fact, it, and I remember finding this ridiculous when I saw it in the cinema, which I would have been like nine years old, was the fact that you've got this whole new crew, all these young bucks, and they're like, who should we send to save the day? Oh, this old fucker. <laughs> Are you having a laugh? Like, you know, this is a matter of urgency, is it? Kirk's there almost bursting out of his costume again. Like, getting Scotty to do the assassination again. Yeah, exactly. Getting someone young to do it. What are you doing? No wonder he died. (laughs) But he did save the day, of course. And there is a kind of a thrill in yeah. seeing him save the day it's one bit, last yeah, time. Yeah. A bit pedantic. Is there a reason why they don't all get sucked up into space yes. when they run down? Oh my God, it's it's a yeah, they say. Force fields. Force fields oh, okay. in place. But then how did Kirk get knocked down? Because they don't. They come in after, so the the destruction happens, oh, and then okay. the computer realizes exactly the, the same thing. Reach, yeah. But, they, but didn't attend to Mora Sulu, who is uh, Sulu's daughter, um, which is a nice little like, touch. Um, but yeah, she uh, with the yeah, force fields in place. I think the effects in the beginning sequence as well are top. Yeah, great models. Yeah, yeah. Still, still models, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I, I, this is the best the models ever look. I think, yeah, because it's the beginning of CGI. Just like, just touch up some of the effects, but like the model sh- ships are brilliant. And 
like LLM did do the Enterprise models for um, the Next Gen show, and they reused the shots quite a lot. Mm. And there, in fact, there are some shots from the show in this film to oh, save okay. money. Um, and and I'm using later on a shot from the last film. Yeah, did you spot that? Right, is it? Oh, when, no, they, when the Klingon bird of prey blows up, exactly the same. Yeah, <laughs> but no, it's just you're going to nick it, nick it from a bit earlier, you know, from another film. Or but flip it or something. Yeah, flip it, something like that. <laughs> last yeah. time on Star Trek. Like, uh... just, um, I mean, that there's moments like that just looks. You've spent so much money on all this other stuff, it looks great, but why do you do that? Yeah, perfectly pristine CG champagne bottle flying through space. Yeah, that I mean, great. that yeah. was really <laughs> impressive. Because in. Because I remember I'd started to watch it and I remembered that sequence as soon as it came on. I was like, oh, yes, the bottle floating through space. And you think, you know, oh, that'll look crap now. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, no, it looks nice. perfectly mm. decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. serviceable. And I think it's a nice opening. I love yeah. the, the music in that bit. Um, yeah, the music's it's, it's good. Yeah. who scored the show. So, you know, they didn't get a... a Dennis McCarthy. Didn't get a, a, you know, a grade A composer in this one. But I think he does a good job. Like, mm. it's not... The one of the best scores, but it's um, certainly quite haunting that yeah. beginning bit with the choir he uses, uh, and it obviously is a bit more um, sort of bit, yeah, it's a bit bigger than the show was ever going to be doing. But there's yeah. times it kind of does fall into the next gen <laughs> sort of action music. Um, but yeah, the theme for this film is really nice. I think when it re- reprises when you have uh, Kirk mm. and uh, uh, Picard riding horses and stuff. That's nice. Like you say, I mean, apart from the occasional wonky moment, there's a bit um, towards the end where uh, Picard gets like picked up by a ship, which is really that's dodge. A, that's CGI. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that one there. Really yeah. dodge. But in general, I think the effects are pretty amazing for yeah, that time. Yeah, the space battle is, is terrifically done. Yeah, with that. But before yeah. we really get into the plot of the movie and spoil the fuck out of it, I'm just going to read a very quick plot synopsis. From IMDb, uh, just to get a set up because we're going to spoil the fuck out of this movie as we always do. So, setting us up, Captain Jean Luc Picard, with the help of the long presumed dead Captain Kirk, must stop a madman willing to murder on a planetary scale in order to enter an energy ribbon. Yeah. Never thought I'd hear myself say that. <laughs> right. So yeah. there we are. We've set ourselves up for the opening sequence. What do you feel about the Nexus then? This energy ribbon that can it transport people to basically their dream state. Yeah, I don't think I really picked up on much until Old Whoopi's chatting about it, and then I thought it sounded a bit like the idea of heaven being a place <laughs> not on Earth, in space <laughs> um, from uh, Final Frontier because it sounds sort of been set up as like. It's not quite an afterlife, but when you're in there, you're in your own personal heaven type thing. Yeah. So it felt a bit sort of cribbed from these kind of ideas, but it was a nice idea conceptually, but the idea of like some giant streaky line through space that's kind of moving and you have to get in it, it was a bit contrived. And the idea that if you try and fly into it, ships blow up. So that's why mm. McDowell's trying to get well, it via another way. It's this film's VJ energy cloud bullshit, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> like, but it's, yeah, it's, you know, essentially this is the villain of the film because it's like a temptation at its like biggest, isn't it? Because it's like the opportunity for eternal life and yeah. you know, basically you know, servicing your every desire. It's like the pleasure planet in a ribbon. <laughs> is this actually something from the show? No, no, this is a, this a, is a new, new concept. concept for the film. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally think the Nexus element is the biggest flaw of the entire movie um i 
found it really hard to get on board with. I don't think it often makes sense in its own kind of idea of what exactly it is, the rules of it, how it works. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? No, I, this is exactly my problem with the film. It's, it's the, it's the uh, you know, I think for the first hour and ten minutes, this is a real exciting, fun film. It's to reintroduce the crew. There might be a little bit too, of a gap between action from, you know, the Amagosa sort of observatory sequence where they, they where Dr. Sorum, there, Malcolm McDowell, uh, kidnaps Geordie and you get a brief moment of action where the, the thing's destroyed. But mm-hmm. it's quite a long time before the space battle and the, and the excellent crash sequence. And then you have the final third, which is Picard going in, being zapped into the Nexus. It's quite dark. You have the entire crew wiped out. Mm. They're, yeah, they're dead. You know, the planet's night. destroyed, like millions of people are dead, and he's now in the Nexus and has and is tempted with the life he could have had. Yeah, I get that you get is it's really well set up because you get the the sense of loss he's got, and mm. you know that really ties in nicely with the sense of family he could have had um, when you know his extended family have just been killed, um, and uh, he's been dealing with that loss. You, you have this situation where how do you leave this thing and and why well, I don't understand how the Nexus you know can just transport you you know yeah. you leave and then you walk floating in space what the fact you can pick any time I'm sure it's like you you're just picking a time within the Nexus mm. and I, I just I think it's such a big hard self audiences to make that leap that he can just go back in time it just seems really hokey because yeah, when Whoopi's yeah. kind of explaining it it's sounding like she's saying oh yeah you can go to any point within time but you're in here yeah, you can't so, go back out <laughs> and that makes me really sad to think that every film after this is just in the nexus because that's, that's like what it is essentially <laughs> um, you know uh, Star Trek first contact insurrection everything from this point on the crew is dead and it's just Picard's fantasy and what could have happened afterwards but, uh, <laughs> like you say with this this is definitely not the reset that motion picture was. It feels like season eight premiere on a large scale. Yeah. And so there's no real in terms of introduction, I mean, fucking hell, you you mentioned the whole navy fantasy holo, holodeck sequence. I had huge issues with this. I mean, that looked like it was a TV episode for some reason. Even though it was, I'm presuming location, it looked yeah. quite bright and cheap. I just thought it was a stupid fucking idea of the scriptwriters to be like the whole idea of this film is to appeal the movies are meant to appeal to a wider audience the first next generation film introducing that crew potentially to people who have never yeah, seen this crew before as yeah. Matt yeah. did not naval so yeah <laughs> and I understand oh it's a literal kind of allegory of like you know they're like the navy and everything like that ha 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 I think the sequence itself could have been amusing it's somewhere else in I mean, the film I, I assume they were on some kind of hollow but, but to introduce them in that way seems so weird doesn't it like why would you do this isn't the setup mm. this isn't introducing the characters properly everyone's acting out of character this isn't you're not on the ship you know what I mean it feels it doesn't like make a comedy ish introduction to them as they head into like their fourth movie or something yeah when you, yeah. And you know what's going on not the not first not a way mm. to reintroduce the crew at all I, I know I think it, no, it worked better for me because I, I knew what Holodeck was and this yes. I think you, it really helps it's fine for fans but it, I, exactly. I, I, I was you know, feeling like you know what, what's Matt going to think about this because yeah. it's like you, you, you're having like Geordie you know with the visor and you know wearing like uh, 18th century <laughs> uniform which just it all feels to, a bit to be weird fair, that, that gag where he puts the telescope up to the middle of his thing was hilarious <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, that's something that I was wondering you'll be able to answer this Paul because you're a big fan of the next generation TV show why is it that their costumes 
are still on in the bridge. Yeah, I really assume on. that's part of the holiday. They don't no. go on to get onto the holiday and go, right, first of all, but get those naval <laughs> costumes <laughs> out we've got hanging about. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. We made sure we brought them on the mission because <laughs> they're very important and they got the holiday. Surely that's part of the Do holiday. Do we have any torpedoes? That- no. Sure, it's not like <laughs> it's like it's plenty of times in the show that actually, uh, they, they are walking to the holodeck to go into it dressed as they will be. Like, it's such a weird there. thing. If you have a holodeck, make everything just like we've watch. just been down to the costume shop number one. Well, you can often like disable, which is ridiculous, that, that has like safety features, so you can disable the safety on the holodeck so bullets will kill you and things like that. <laughs> like, why even have that option? Like, just disable it. Uh, but we'll see that in, a, in the next film. Uh, but I thought, yeah, I feel like, you know, somebody could disable the clothes, number one, and just somebody if he's naked waiting for like the next uh, costume change. Just, <laughs> maybe that's why they're real. Yeah, but maybe. I think it, I think it is a it, it is a great visual look when they come onto the bridge and they're still wearing the uniforms just that, you yeah. know, it's just it, really amazing like to see him in his long johns <laughs> and I <laughs> found the thing of the making <laughs> Wolf walk the plank all a little bit problematic I was like what's going on here and like, they seem to be enjoying this yeah, a bit too much he's, it's a good thing right he's been promoted and then they're like what the plank <laughs> like, it's like where he's a slave like um, and then all the kind of slow-mo falling into the sea <laughs> I just found a bit like, what thing, is going like, it, on it felt to me like a lot of it was on fast forward so they just go straight to Picard getting like news of his family's death essentially mm-hmm. which pays off within the purpose of yeah. the film but it's just like right just give it to him now rather than it being yeah. happened. and the same with Data with like instantly he's messing about with emotions and stuff so for my, my first impression there was surely this is a plot line that's happened on the show robot yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's Data's character work and they, you know this is a thing that the fans would enjoy is that you know the emotion ship has been there as a plot point which hasn't been explored it was um, a pro- that bit where he gets out of the jar is it like yeah. oh finally yeah I think it's been re that, that prop may be different from the show as well it might have been a bit bigger or something it's like they had no budget to do it <laughs> So um, they didn't do that on the show? No, it Him was... Him having emotions it was, on the show? Well, I think it was a two-parter with Law. Like seven years. So, but Data has an evil brother. Right. Like, they were made two at the same time by Noonien Sung, his the creator. Oh, and make was, one of them evil, typical. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, he, he has an emotion ship, but has, like, lost his mind. So I think there was a real worry on Data's part. If he gets it, will he kind of, you know, go the mm. same way? So it's been a, like, he's been wrestling with it, not for too long, maybe a couple of seasons up to this point. Um... And uh, so yeah, that's re- that's supposed to be carrying on. This is a movie. We're going to move that that character arc on a bit further. And I think it's great that you have the the next three films where he's able to kind of right, go a bit yeah. further with that. But I think if you watch the show, Picard is a, is a character that changes quite a bit. At the beginning, he's very um, very authoritarian. Doesn't like the fact he's been put on a ship full of families and children. He's like, you know, I'm not a family man. <laughs> Um, very much and, and over the show the, the crew become his family and um, you know by the end it's a lovely final scene which of the show where he kind of embraces that and he wishes he'd done this years ago um, which is like you know, join them at like the, you know a, a, a social event which I want to but the um, the film like has him get this news race very early on mm, because it almost yeah. actually resets him back to Farpoint which is the pilot right. setting where he's very brushed everybody he's very you know and if, and again through the film he softens so it's almost like a, a seven season uh, <laughs> thing with Picard as well like, yeah. yeah for him to rediscover like you know um, to be tempted with a life that he can have I guess one of the main kind of differences mm. is the 60s show I'm presuming 
maybe wrongly, that it was, because it was in the 60s, it was quite episodic and stuff. Yeah. Whereas Next Gen is the beginning of this new wave of TV where it could be Not quite... really. No, Next Gen's pretty episodic as well. Yeah, very mm. much episodic. It's, um, you know, they have a seasonal kind of like, um, you know, the characters do grow. Right. But it's very incremental. Mm. And it, you, you really have to kind of see the whole thing to kind of chart that. And uh, I mean, they have the two-parters, but I think that's the closest they get to, I mean, a proper arc. You know, I think they have things that kind of you know, general themes for yeah. some seasons, but nothing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think you know the the Klingon Civil War, like season five, I think is like the, one of the biggest kind of serialized elements where it's like only a two parter, and they might mention it a couple of times in other episodes, but it's always mm. it's never like four episodes in a row will ever be connected at mm. all. Um, so that was, maximum is two episodes next to each other. Yeah, so, yeah. I, mean, I agree with Liam. It's quite jarring to have not only this weird pirate ship setting type thing, but then to have Data like making jokes and laughing like yeah. instantly, and it's like, who is this guy? Because we before we establish his character yeah. as the android, I think, like yeah, and like you say, the kind of the, the parallel to Spock in terms yeah, you of don't the get any Data as normal really much no. in this film. Um, only that one scene um, retraction there is a free part of essentially best of both oh. worlds and the following episode it does follow on from that episode oh so does it yeah but more on that next month um, but yeah we were saying about Picard uh, reacting to the family deaths I mean this is literally half hour into the movie and personally again it's a thing of it going unearned, didn't it? Uh, yeah it feels really unearned quite jarring if you haven't seen the series again because it's already you haven't really got an emotional attachment to this character yet and mm. seems suddenly crying and everything like that uh, almost to the point that I was like is there a joke coming here or something like that like you know and it I think especially after having Kirk for six films, sort of a very different character to Picard, yeah. which is a good thing because you know, it's good to have a very different character to take over, but it, it that doesn't seem like something Kirk would do. And it seems a little bit jarring, something like, oh, so we've gone from Hereric Kirk this guy crying in like five seconds of being introduced you know what I mean it's kind of I think that's the thing you were looking for a comparison between him and Kirk and there isn't any no they are very different Riker like is as close as they get to Kirk but again he isn't there um no. <laughs> yeah, I suppose he is actually. When you say it, Riker is more he the goes, he's the one character because he's the one wearing the red, going on the way missions. Like, yeah. You know, um, so yeah, he's the kind of like the the Kirk sorry, who goes is the amount of action. Yeah, he feels like the guy who's like battle stations. Like, you know, yeah, well, he's the closest to that. And, you know, definitely Data, like Spark. Yes, and, um, you know. I don't think Gates McFadden, who plays Beverly Crusher, ever like was anything like Bones. In fact, no. you know she's the blonde doctor. Yeah, she is the most unserved episode, uh, character on this this film. Um, it's actually funny, like Deanna Troy gets more screen time here than she's probably got in an entire season um, as Councillor Troy. Um, you know, and she gets to kind of like help Picard through the grief and that kind of thing, and ask a lot of questions about Data. So she she's in it quite a bit, and you know she gets to pilot the Enterprise for the first time. Mm, yeah. Crashes yeah, yeah. It. Uh, <laughs> good job. Yeah. Um, oh, but yeah, no, I think you know Deanna Troy. Like it's that's quite a you know she was underserved because her character was very difficult to kind of handle on the show because um, it wasn't very popular at times. She um, went from being um, she can read people's emotions. Uh, she's empathic 
she, she can't read your mind but she can read how you're feeling so but she was very kind of useless on the show because there'd be like an angry guy on the view screen she goes I think I feel anger <laughs> it was so obvious like there was you know or he's hiding something where he's clearly being shifty it's like you know it's just like we, we know that as humans we can read people so yeah she wasn't very useful on the show but yeah I'm glad they gave us something to do in the film yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, she feels like my memories of TNG, at least. I, you know, I, I remember her character very well. And I mean, I think, you know, I must say that I'm judging this film in a sense as if, you know, try to come from the perspective if I was seeing this and have no prior knowledge really of next gen, because I think you have to, because it's a movie, it's not a TV series, and you it should be more reset start like I mean like I say motion picture in that sense was more successful just all the other stuff that would have put people off um, but uh, yeah I do enjoy the film though uh, I actually think it has a very slick a more modern sheen than the previous movies Uh it's the location shooting is great in it I think that's the thing it feels a bit yeah. more opened up it doesn't feel like well populated and I think one of the other problems with the third act outside the nexus is there's the stakes haven't been established we've been told there's 160 million people on this planet but you don't get to see the cities you don't get to see like really what's at stake you know what, that was Viridian, important was it Virid- story I guess yeah it wasn't but it's it, just but a number it is just a number I feel like yeah um, but really in three it's like well you know this is Captain Kurt's going to die for these people what we should probably see something about them. Um, yeah, I mean, that's funny, isn't it? Because we just get told that basically there is a planet, it's populated, there's millions of people, that's it. And um, it actually kind of calls to mind uh, Into Darkness, one the JJ films. And in that, you very much see all the people who are going to, who are in peril. Yeah. Uh, and I remember watching that and thinking... You know, I, this doesn't actually seem like a Star Trek style thing because, as far as I'm from other things, it always seems like you're not seeing the people actually really in danger. Yeah. Uh, this is a perfect example yeah, the of that. The difference is, I guess, the Enterprise yeah. crashes into a city there. Yeah. If the same had happened here, if it had not crashed in the bloody forest, but in a even beside the, pop, the populated area you could have them both at once and see mm. yeah and just use Force Awakens as an example you get one shot of people on that planet that's destroyed yeah. in the system and it, that's it's what it is you see people terrified yeah. of like boss, you know impending death that's yeah. good like you yeah. know I mean in terms of like making you feel oh my god this is a tr- tragedy yeah so um, yeah only one shot would have done it on the uh, you might know this Paul as well you're going to be our resident TNG expert here um when they're on the naval holodeck sequence, who's the fucking old guy who takes the wheel? Just a holographic character. <laughs> right. it's, like, it's like, stop leaving the running of the ship and the situations to old men. First we had Kirk. I don't know if anyone else spotted, but Aaron from 24, the Secret yeah, Service yeah, yeah. guy from 24, is no, in yeah. the opening sequence. I was like, and, let uh, him do it. And uh, Vasquez from Aliens. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Goldstein, yeah. Oh, okay. Um... So, yeah, Malcolm McDowell, the villain of the piece. Mm. Soran? Soran, yeah. Yeah. 
what do we think of him? Well, I think um, McDowell plays him very well, actually. He's, you know, had a, a decade of cocaine abuse to prepare for this role. <laughs> and, uh, it <laughs> and it pays off. You know, last time we saw him, he was, you know, fresh-faced. Uh, he'd just done uh, Time After Time or something like And, you know, I have not seen his 80s work, Cat People, and those things. But, you know, the years... Brittany Hospital. Yeah, but, yeah, that's it. Lindsay Adams' 1983 like, uh, <laughs> film that nobody's seen. Um, yeah, you know, the years have not been kind to Malcolm. And he's come back looking rather, you know grizzled I would say and it's a perfect fit for somebody obsessed yeah. with like this although unfortunately he looks the same in the opening scene he's not had 80 years of like scheming um, you know you don't see that particularly because um, he's the same age in both scenes that's why before he revealed he's 400 he's years guy, old I thought it was going to be some sort of time split thing yeah. or different versions of you know he's and what really annoys me is this backstory saying his homeworld was destroyed by the Borg. Now we assume that was over eight, that was eighty three. Is it eighty seven years? Eighty seven years ago. So it could be because they're refugees at the beginning. Mm. Now the, the so having the Borg destroy his homeworld, he's a refugee. The Enterprise B saves him. Clearly, they were debriefed and said, "Where are you fleeing from?" Oh, these this race of machines, like all the Borg, uh, attacked us. Oh, that sounds really threatening. We should probably work like that. They don't. The Borg aren't introduced until um, the second season of Next Generation. That's six years ago, and that's their first encounter with the Borg. I don't get like why they've now introduced them again. Eight years. So a little bit I think for a fan, these kind of like inconsistencies, you know, um, annoy me. It's just because they want to drop the word Borg in there. All it's reminding yeah. me is that I wish we had the Borg in this film. Yeah, because <laughs> they were the, the most exciting new villain of the. Of the They're the Klingons of the TNG world. Yeah, aren't they? yeah. So we have to wait another film to see them. But um, speaking of Klingons, uh, very. I can see what Tom was saying last episode. I think he mentioned it of how. The TNG Klingons are full on, full on prosthetics, mm. which I guess if they did look like this in the show, when Undiscovered Country came out, and they were very kind of tame by comparison, mm. whether that tied into the given that film a prequely old era feeling yeah, helped or not? I think it did. Yeah, now they're the, full on like. Well. Yeah, there's some severely defined ridges in this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, so, yeah, back to Malcolm McDowell. Like, yeah, I think um, he has some great lines in it. Definitely some of them were ready for the trailer, as, we, as they were. Uh, <laughs> but he. I like the fact that he can't be reasoned with as well. That's a Picard being the diplomat trying to talk him out of it and invoking memories. Oh, yeah. Picard just hanging around for hours. Uh, they, oh, uh, <laughs> what are you doing? I did not understand that sequence. Talk. There is literally, it cuts back at one point and Picard's just kind of sitting there looking a bit mopey and a bit bored like oh, like, like the rest of us. Like, <laughs> what? I couldn't understand the sequence. Like, I, again, it's coming from Kurt, the man of action. No wonder he needs to go and get Kurt. <laughs> just sitting around kind of going, oh, Soran, don't do that. Oh, all right. I'll just sit. Here. Good thing that hole <laughs> yeah. in the rocks there. Yeah. yeah. He, well, he. Um. I think the second he, well, he notices a hole and he comes back and he's still sitting there. It's because he's waiting for him to turn away so he mm. can get through. But it does feel like he when he just throws a rock at the force field, it distracts him. It's like do more of that. Just slow him down and annoy yeah. the hell out of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. hammer on it and go. Ah. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> even the bit when he gets just lose your mind, Bacar. <laughs> uh, even the bit when he gets caught in the rocks looks a bit pathetic. <laughs> It's one of those things. I, the problem is, is I actually really like Picard. I love Patrick Stewart as an actor, but I think it is that thing of watching them all in order for the first time. So I've literally just gone from Undiscovered Country and generate to Generations. I should say um, I watched these within a week of each other. It does seem like a massive leap 
from that captain to like a completely different kind of person and captain, which is a good thing, but also at the same time you're Not gonna end up comparing them. Mm-hmm. Especially when they're in the same film as well. It it mm-hmm. doesn't help, you yeah. know. Um yeah, so what what are your thoughts on the villain uh, uh McDowell, uh, I think McDowell is good in terms of he's fun to watch. Um but I think the villain itself is a little bit one note. I think I think the film itself feels actually surprisingly big screen cinematic. Like I say, I, I think it feels bigger budget than the other movies, um, despite, you know, not being the case particularly. Um, and Dave Carson, the director, who before this, this is his first film, yeah. he'd only directed episodes as Next Generation and stuff like that. Uh, I actually think it's really quite cinematic. Uh, getting the Chinatown DOP really helps. It's yeah. quite big, yeah. widescreen. But Malcolm McDowell's character, apart from the fact that McDowell's playing him, feels like a small screen villain to me. Yeah. He doesn't feel like a big enough threat villain of the week is a big enough threat to bring two generations together yeah that's right because um, he's just one man I feel like yeah. he doesn't have a he doesn't have a follower it's like I will promise you this yeah you know it does feel like he's he could be taken out quite easily oh well, uh, obviously not because he batters the fuck out of a curve <laughs> I mean that's that's the fact that it's the problem for me that okay so our new captain the guy's gonna take us on new adventures literally needs to go back in fucking time to get Captain Kirk to help him just to beat up this normal bloke. <laughs> who, this I can't normal, do it without This you. <laughs> normal old coke addict ridden geezer. Yeah. He can't even beat him on his own. Yeah, um, well, yeah. I, I, I could see and he fails on. once the entire crew are, are killed uh, not a good start Zoran uh, like, could have been a bit more threatening but they cut out his torture of Geordie which is very oh, okay. w- weird scene it, like my, if anybody's seen him in Roots like it might find it strange like uh, the scene in the uh, torture chamber of the clinical bird of break but yeah he asked about Trilithium why he knows all about it he's a scientist and that's the end of the scene but then it would have carried on and he has put a nanoprobe probe in him on his heart which he means he can stop his heart over a remote and you get the end of that bit where he says we removed the nanoprobe, probe um, so it should be fine um, and then he also says oh his heart wasn't in it to the Klingons it's like what's why, why if you take the scene out he's not threatening he's not tall to Geordie there's like there's lines that don't make sense afterwards yeah it's all a bit of diversion isn't it because he wants to just like put put his visor back on um, and that's kind of really telegraphed isn't it when he's like you know using a little remote thing on it mm. I mean, it's a good idea they're going to make the Klingons more um, more of a potent threat yeah. that they can get through the shields because yeah they shouldn't really be able to take down that shit but yeah it's a good idea but like unfortunately Soren's like it's a bit softened by the fact you don't see him being his most dastardly yeah. Like, yeah. Soren's just very much kind of like one of those man of a plan like he's just mm. a villain who's like I've got this one thing I need to do mm. you don't know much about him like you say he's got no one else around him it's just a very selfish thing it's just like I found this really rad place I'm going to get back there by mm. killing a bunch of people it's like you know, destroying a few planets, like total dick move, but it kind of very isolates him and he doesn't quite connect with many mm. other characters. Yeah, and bringing the Klingons in again, it just feels oh. a little bit <laughs> desperate in the sense of they've been in every film up to this, 
And at this point, you kind of feel like the Klingons are the original series villains. They're that thing. And I know that obviously we have Worf mm. in Next Generation, but the whole point of having Worf on the ship, as we said, was to be the utopia. Now, you mentioned a civil war yeah. in uh, yeah, TNG. They're just again a faction of the Klingons, aren't they? They're just a bit renegade. I think it's so desperate not to drop the ball handing over the torch. Yeah. They have to kind of put in a few uh, things to reinforce the sense of continuity. Because uh, that's they. All it is. Apart Apart from that civil war, I presume the Klingons weren't that big a villain in the TNG universe. No, no not at all. Because it's the Borg, they're the, the big Borg, ones. Cardassians, Ferengi come up every now and again. So, yeah, the Romulans are the villains of the next gen. Because yeah. They're actually at war with them. They are the ones they're really worried about. They're very secretive, they have great technology. Um, and you do get a dead Romulan within the first few minutes of this next gen film, you know, right. in the bit of the observatory, and you think, ah! Oh, are we going to see some Romulans in this film? This would be a new thing for the mm. movie franchise, but no, they fall back on the Klingons. So it's a bit of a shame, really. Yeah, um, I, I genuinely agree. Um, but yeah, we mentioned Data earlier with his new emotion chip. Um, now, despite the fact that this being a little bit odd because we never really get to know Data as he was in the TV series in this film because he's got so much shit, it does lead to quite a lot of funny moments. You don't look convinced about Anytime he's laughing maniacally, I'm like, that's a perfect moment to cut out of context and <laughs> stick somewhere else. Yeah. But no, it's pretty funny. And I don't know if it's funny or not, but one of my favourite scenes was when he kind of has broken down a bit and confronts Picard about wanting, wanting it all turned off. Mm. And Picard's saying, like, you know, that's what it is. You just have to learn to live with it and stuff. I found that really powerful. Mm. Him finally realising, like, Oh yeah, I can't deal with this, and it's like well, that's that's the way it is. That's being human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, completely. Yeah. I mean, I do. Uh, Courage can be an emotion too, Data. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. As he learns, doesn't mm. he? Eventually, Data doesn't do anything really heroic. No, that's the trouble. It doesn't pay off. When he, he saves his cat. Saves, well, no, the cat basically forgot. He finds. He, had <laughs> he finds. <laughs> slash saves his cat. Yeah, just like he forgot he had one. It's like I forgot I had Spot. Start crying. <laughs> um, you. Battery acid. And that was and that was very emotional I because I I loved yeah. Spot. What an absolute legend! Although I suppose he does um, have that moment, uh, his little musical interlude when he's messed about in the controls. Yeah. He's like searching for like. Oh, boop, 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 boop. I think I remember that. That's what you're referring to. Yeah, he he prevents Deanna from like Brett, you know, hurting herself. Because, but you know, I think she'd be fine to be honest. Like, so there's not really anything the data does that kind of you know means he shows courage. Like, um, he, he does, says, "Oh shit!" At one point, that is funny. hilarious. <laughs> like, uh, oh shit! For the ten year old, like uh, I, was, I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I presume they never got that word out on the show. No, you oh, get no, I don't think so. Not on network. No. no way. Was there any classic, oh shit, cutaway? No, that was, <laughs> that was the first time. I can't believe they've okay. never done that before. Oh, yeah. Well, had they ever separated the ship before? Yeah, in the pilot. Oh. And yeah, and several times um, when they had to go split the ship in various missions. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see. I assume this was a big mm, screen moment mm, for mm. like, wow, we could never split the ship on the show. But now, yeah, it was actually intended for the end of motion picture. Was the original ship was going to was separate after the V'ger explosion, and they, they didn't like, do it on the original stuff. 
stuff. That's mm. what it is. But yeah, it was the it was a new con- a reused concept for the next gen to actually in the pilot they do they have to split the ship, and it's a real big moment. In fact, they reuse a shot from the pilot when uh, the the shot underneath the ship from its yeah. is is a reused pitch. But it, it actually works because it's it's all shot on film. It was all done mm. by ILM, so it all syncs up quite nicely. Yeah, and it leads to the crash, which, as you said earlier, I mean, it's still. Right looks good yeah, really and, exciting and it's amazing when you watch the behind the scenes of them filming that that all lasts like six seconds the entire crash mm. it's just launching that saucer model at a pre you know a small miniature forest mm. and then filming it with high speed cameras the, and then you, oh, the idea so of sound effects really sell the, the, the enormity awesome. of it well, that's the thing. Just do it for real. It looks terrific. You know, it really stand does. Up, it? Because I remember being wowed by that sequence in the cinema. And again, it's a thing of you don't know how that's going to stand up uh, over 20 years later. And yeah, I was amazed mm-hmm. by it. And it's, it's still a really thrilling sequence. And again, like you say, Riker is very much at the helm there. Mm-hmm. And it always seems to me whenever the big kind of space battle action is going on, there's Riker who's kind of, you know, leading the way mm-hmm. and crashing the ship. Well, they really, they really <laughs> tie into his kind of uh, desire to be captain at the end of Special as well. Yes. And I, you know, I, I get that from him. That he's just like. Oh, I'll be number one, but I want to be number one. Yeah, <laughs> for, for yeah, seven years. Like, I mean, there's a couple of flirtations with the fact he might get another command and lose him, and uh, you know, and whenever Picard ever gets a replacement, in, it's always like, you know, I'll just bring back Riker. You have a good team, you know. It feels wrong, but like this guy's having to let like, stall his career just to kind of carry. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. just to please the fans. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about Geordie's role underneath the blast doors in engineering? What with him kind of getting the people out? Yeah, but he does this like, dramatic. Like, oh, role. the actual role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was- uh, it was cheesy but fun unnecessary might be like a little in joke because he did one in, this, in the generation where he rolls it's clearly nowhere near the, uh, <laughs> the the door coming down well I mentioned uh, Kirk quite a lot earlier and comparing Picard to Kirk and stuff like that I've got to say um, he's gone off screen for over an hour in this film and I think you really miss him, or certainly I really did. I really missed him from proceedings. I was like, where's Kurt? Bring him back. And I couldn't remember him being gone that long. In my head, I was like, oh, yeah, he's in most of the film, right? Uh, but no, not so. And you would think that he would be in terms of passing the battle. And you think he'd be in it all the way through, mm. or a lot more. And he really isn't. It's that opening scene, mm. and then he comes back for the finale. And that's basically it. What, what I, did you think, Matt? Yeah, Were you expecting I, it to be in more? He's on the poster. I wondered if it was going to be like the way they treated Harrison Ford in Force Awakens, where it's yeah. like he's the old guard character coming back. And you know he's probably not going to be in all of it. Because in Force Awakens, he shows up about 45 minutes in and then is throughout, isn't it? Yeah. So then I thought... But once he kind of got sucked out, I was like, yeah, we're probably not going to see him again until towards the end. So I kind of figured... Okay, you did see it coming that you think... Like, I knew he was going to come back. I wasn't ever thinking... Yeah. Right, oh, right, right. I just killed him off the I like you get like the full ver- version of his realisation that it's not for real and what that means to him. Like, that there's no danger and it's just... Can't yeah. live like a little that. weird that he works it out by jumping over a hole with a horse. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's very weird. Now I see this isn't real because my 
doesn't feel like that. Yeah, he's, I think yeah. He, well, he's well, for a while longer. He's actually more content. He's older than Picard. Yeah. He's more content. I mean, to it kind could of have like been more powerful if he'd actually had that reunion with his last love, first love, and then after like embracing, realized this isn't real, and having to say goodbye to that. But he's reunion with horses. Rather than just hopping over a <laughs> horse. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think Shatner's first true love is horses. Is <laughs> yeah, there you go. Activities and mountains. Yeah, <laughs> mountains. Yeah, he's back up in the mountains. I think it's also a case of the next generation to me. Uh, whenever I see episodes of the original series and episodes of TNG, uh, TNG feels a lot more clinical compared to kind of the, the earthier feel of the original series. Yeah. So Kirk coming back at that point um, kind of stops things from coming too anodyne or anything like that. Kind of, like he adds a bit of kind of you know a bit of rough panache to the whole. Absolutely, you know, it is his lines about you know saving the galaxy when your grandfather's in diapers. Yes, know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I consider the galaxy owes me one uh, as well. <laughs> and uh, you know, with my car, it's like what? Do say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no. What he really means is, look, I, there's this old bloke who beat me up. <laughs> I can't, I can't take him on my own. I know you're older than me, <laughs> and presume <laughs> dead. <laughs> Fight for me as well. I know this is all about like this is the trouble with Star Trek. Sometimes it's just, uh, it's really hard to kind of sell it to somebody. You know, I was ten years old. I was like, oh, what generation? It's like the finale is three middle-aged men <laughs> clambering over rocks. <laughs> Really oddly choreographed fights, and uh, it just, you're like, yeah, this is great, right? No, it's not. There's that moment, it's like 10 seconds long of Kirk and Soren, like, kind of fighting. Yeah. All they're doing is just ducking around. <laughs> yeah. He's like looking for him, like, uh, and I love that Picard gets battered again. Yeah. It's not even like I thought, right, okay, this is the this is the Rocky Free, he's yeah. coming back I'm to fight with Kirk. Yeah, but no, he gets battered again. He really does need Kirk to back him up because McDowell just takes him out instantly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have to try oh, again. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, I find it quite... It, I get the same sense I was thinking when we were watching this as, uh, uh, as a view to a kill with Roger Moore. You know, you, you actually see, feel worried for him in any of the action sequences. You're like, oh, God, he's going to do his hip or something like that. Oh. Like, you know, and you've got Kirk sweating, uh, you know, uh, in this obviously very hot location. I think it's called yeah. the Valley of Fire. It's a very remote location. The colour of the rock and stuff, like, it's very dramatic, very cinematic. Uh, but, yeah, clearly not an easy place to shoot. And you've got this poor old pensioner scramble over rocks. <laughs> but I do know that Stuart was very happy to be there. There's a clip on one of the behind-the-scenes docos on uh, the Blu-ray where he's kind of standing there and in his full TNG get-up but with, like, shades on, like Ray-Bans or something, yeah. with his arms crossed, being like, ah, I see, we are now in a much bigger location than we were ever allowed to do on the show, and he's really happy. Yeah, he's, he was just lucky uh, to get in the parking lot of Paramount, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, well, yeah, apparently, like, I watched, uh, I was talking about this in the last episode, I watched Chaos on the Bridge, William Shatner's uh, documentary about the next generation, which seemed designed by him just to be like, oh, look how awful it was to work on Next Generation. Not like when I was running the show. Um, which said that, like, basically, they didn't have a very good budget for actually taking care of their, like, talent on TNG. Like, there was no craft surfaces, like, you actually hear of. It was literally like they were lucky to get, like, you know, a sandwich or something like that. That was about it. So maybe he was... I think they were all glad to finally have a movie budget and kind of, you know, all be kind of treated well. I think, so, I think you know, the, 
bloody deserved it after seven years of slogging. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of TV they had to make. and It, it was to do with the fact that it was syndicated. It was something to it, and apparently that was, like, lowest of the low or something like, like mm. uh, And, you but know, they work in it, like, a proper network show. Syndication means the big bucks. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but they just they kept all the big bucks to themselves and didn't give them to the film, the production, anything. Um, but we should move on to the very sad case of the true death mm. of Captain James T. Kirk. Yeah, I I liked it. It was a pretty cool shot when he's on that bridge, like, flipping down. That was a really yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it did, did feel a bit hokey, the classic kind of going down a something that's just about to buckle and break and having to get a thing um, but then his final moments were pretty cool I wonder what his um, I was wondering what his final words are going to be and I was quite surprised that he threw in an oh my right at the end like before it became George Decay's catchphrase yeah was it before I think yeah. in my head like Sulu's been saying oh my like every film because <laughs> yeah, I, I said like, why is he making Sulu's catchphrase to die with I think it's just like death is like the thing he's never faced before mm. and it's just the the being faced with that imminent party and it's like I still think it's such an odd far line I know that it's a big bone of contention for a lot of people and a lot of people defended it mm. as well but for me I think it's not only an odd line but I think it's performed oddly in terms of Shatner and I don't blame him because if I was Shatner I wouldn't know how to fucking perform it either um, like, oh, yeah it's, because it's just a bizarre thing why is he saying that well it's his idea to say it oh, it's his idea yeah, yeah. oh well then all the blame is like Shatner's still on there, I'm afraid <laughs> yeah. I don't understand what that is meant to mean apart from oh he's shocked that he's dying like, yeah, he's uh, shocked, yeah. like this is the unknown like he's been going through the cosmos like yeah. you know, all these different life forms different mysteries and now he's faced with the ultimate one and it's death and it's yeah. it's a shock to him um, I think yeah I I think that's what is the intention behind it is, but um, too yeah. much star power for Shatner there. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, this is a reshot ending. I yes, mean, we, uh, this film was previewed, and the original ending—if you can see it on there—it's really lame. Uh, you just get shot by the doubt, doesn't it? That's right. You get shot in the back, and uh, and then and then there's, there's no big explosive bridge section, and I think the the, the rocket doesn't explode; it just doesn't launch, and so like McDowell is now just jumping up and down on the on the platform, and he can't reach the nexus, and then he's just shot by the car. It's just—it's all a bit of a, a down squib. But mm. you know, if you feel like you've got problems with the final version, it's like hell of a lot better <laughs> yeah uh, the, you know, the action so laboured in this original work for it and they, they, they had to splash the cash go back out of the location and redo it mm. properly um, you know this this film actually was like half an hour longer in the, in the work print as well but I felt like the final cut does aside from like the plot holes it kind of creates with Geordie uh, and the torture scene it, it does clip by quite nicely it's reasonably pacey yeah. yeah and I think there's a lot more TNG character moments in the in this one I think they are <laughs> the extended crew really aren't served very well in this one a bit like the motion picture where it's mm. very much Picard's show um, yes and, yeah, yeah. And, and Kurt get all the all the plaudits don't they yeah because Picard's off on his own adventure essentially especially once they've crashed that's it for them yeah um, you know it's complete Picard but must say uh, Stuart's performance when he watches Kurt die, I thought was really excellent. Mm. And it really, uh, that moment for me solidified why it's so good 
that we've hired an actor like Patrick Stewart, uh, you know, Shakespearean actor, going very different kind of performer and character from Kirk and Shatner, and that moment really shows it for me. Yeah, there's a bit, there's also. quite a bit of reverence that he shows, like, and I like that they kind of nod to it, like you know, Picard is a bit kind of um, gleeful or you know excited mm. by the fact he gets to do this with the great Captain Kirk, like, mm. you know, somebody he's read about and somebody he's probably really admired. Yeah, and you know, there's a couple of moments we looked back and, you know, when he says, oh, call me Jim, and he, he stops mm. for a moment, I feel like, yeah, that's a nice touch. Definitely, I, I, I agree. Um, but, yeah, it's it's sad to see Kirk go. I mean, it's funny, do you think it was the right decision to kill him off? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So like, he's like a man out of time by this point as well, isn't he? Yeah. Because everyone else would have been long gone. Yeah, that's the thing. There'd be no none of the not, only Spock would have been alive still at this point in the in the, in yeah. the universe. I mean, oh, and Scotty as well, or oh yes, yes, so right. yes, Scotty as well because he's in it, and and Bones is in the first episode of TNG, but he's really old. Yeah, he's about like 138 years old or something like that. Yeah, and he's got loads of. If you watch that, he's got tons of makeup on to make him look insanely old. So when Scotty turns up, does he have tons of makeup no, on? No, no, because he, he travelled through he, time. Or he something? was stuck in a transporter beam, like it, that didn't materialise. So he's in the computer banks of this crash ship, right? And they they uh, sort of beam him in, and it's like, oh, he's not aged today since like well, it's circa 1993. He's like right, that's, okay, uh, where he's at. And Spock, he just it's got a much longer life cycle. Yeah, yeah I think they live for two hundred years. Right. Because. Okay. So he can just turn up and just be as old as Nimoy is. Then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Patrick Stewart doesn't mention the fact he's met Spock recently. You know, that would have been something. Uh, like, and yeah, because he has this. That came up way before this. Yeah. So. Yeah. So he's actually mind melded with Spock, and it's like he. They both have this connection to a shared per. You know. Yeah. Individual. So. And he would have met Scotty by this point as well. Yeah. So he could have said when he was trying to convince him. You could say, well, I, I met Spock and I met Scotty, and I think they would have both liked you to come and help me. <laughs> yeah. like, Wait till they hear about this. You actually <laughs> refuse to come along. <laughs> yeah. So the ship is. It's still crashed, but everyone survived. But there was yeah, a few casualties they mentioned, that's all. The crash happened, but the explosion didn't. Yeah, right, okay. they stopped the star from exploding, yeah. so they just get picked up. Right, okay, okay, okay. Two models that have been seen before on one new <laughs> ship. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we get, you were talking about this scene at the end between Riker and Picard, which I thought was really weirdly scripted. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see how that would be those two characters saying goodbye to the show in a way because I assume this is the same ship they've had throughout yeah. the whole series yeah it's like yeah. Oh, oh, I guess I, so yeah. I nearly got this chair not to be and it's like don't worry we'll build another I just <laughs> think it's really odd lines when he's like oh I plan to live forever like Raikou says that <laughs> and then he's like I, I, I always find that weird line but I think it's that the only way I can justify it is on the show Q gives him his powers and um, yeah. it wasn't just Jokes and bounce. No, I think right it was. There was. It basically says you can be a Q entity and like you can now live forever. You can be on the on the present. And uh, and Riker gives. He says, "I don't want to be this. I want to be human." But like, I think he's tempted slightly. But he's like, changed his mind. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I don't know if it's a little nod back to that. This is, but it's, yeah, it's, it's just really cut back weird. to Q being <laughs> like, "Oh well, you should have really me. odd line." Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's almost like he's saying to Picard, like, yeah, keep your speak, for, speak, for, speak for yourself, yeah. <laughs> like Picard. 
forget that he turned that thing down. He's like, well, I plan to live for... Oh, wait a minute. It's like, oh, you, I fucking, didn't do that. you fucking uh, die, Jean-Luc, so I could be captain, yeah? I'd be much better than you, mate. I hate you. <laughs> yeah, a bit the, the, the photo albums of the future, the fact they have photo albums is a funny thing. <laughs> uh, they don't do anything special, uh, but they're also like framed with holographic backing paper. Like, <laughs> very futuristic. So, I think we've kind of wrapped up the uh, film itself. Final thoughts on this movie? I think it's successful. Like, um, yeah, it gets the new crew in there. It just it's very plot heavy in terms of like the uh, the big scheme and that kind of stuff. I think it's a lot to take in for a new audience and people who actually just followed the cinema adventure, the original crew, and then like, oh, I'm going to go see the cinema version of this new one. Perhaps I want the next generation might find it quite difficult transition. Mm. Um, and for the average viewer, I think it doesn't do enough to kind of cater to the newbie maybe mm. yeah no overall I enjoyed it like I really I love seeing the, the, the beginning the crew some of the old crew back together it's a very exciting sequence you've got the uh, the bat space battle I quite enjoy the crash landing it's exciting um, Soren's interesting at times uh, uh, yeah I feel like it's a, a solid entry in the in the franchise final rating probably about 6-8 okay um yeah, I mean, despite all my lambasting of some of the elements of this film, I actually probably enjoyed it a lot more than I've let on. Um, but I feel that it's one of those things, the reason I enjoy it more is because I did actually watch quite a lot of Star Trek Next Generation when I was young. Yeah. So I do already have an affection for the characters and a knowledge of the world. But I think for anyone coming in new, it could have hit them like a brick wall. But like I say, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think after those first six films, it feels far more modern uh, and real got a sheen to it. it. Even just by the fact that the crew are instantly far younger. And I mean, that's funny because they're not even that young because they still come off a seven-year bloody journey of the first series to get to this point. But compared to who we've seen in Underscale Country, these seem like fresh-faced young bucks. I like they didn't waste any time from the show to this. Like, like let's get them while they're still in their kind of prime. Yes, to do, exactly. Not like 12 years or so. And that does give it a vibrancy that the other films don't have. I think it, considering it was only made for £35 million, I think it really looks pretty damn good, um, even now. Uh, I love seeing Kirk again, and you know, I think in general it's a nice swan song for him, even though he's kind of like farmers don't completely well. I think it's sold by the actors, um, and you know, it's just it's just a nice kind of send off to have him there, just in the sense of they could have literally just gone into generations and just ignored him and just not done this passing the baton. So I'm glad it's there. I'm glad they do it. Um, and yeah, I, I find it does, like you say, kind of goes along a fair old lick. And uh, I think there's a lot that's enjoyable about it. So I'm going to give it a 7.7. 7. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really, it feels like we picked this one apart the most since something like Search for Spock. Yeah. But for all its uh, flaws, I did really enjoy it. And I think for me, it felt like that view of Star Trek I had when I was younger, that was like this geeky entity. I think this film is kind of it. Like if you come into it as not a fan or just somebody fresh, there's a lot of like tech speak, there's a lot going on. It felt like this is the view of Star Trek I had when I was younger. Whereas having now seen the original films, I feel any one of them really, you can jump on board and go along with and not have to be a massive fan of anything mm, whereas this, this kind of just tips into that whole like it's a cult thing and there's a lot going on and I could see it struggling as just a mainstream 
movie. Um, but saying that, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to give it a 7.5. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of critical kind of reception of mm. the film, I did look this up, and it did receive mixed reviews at the time. Uh, currently holds a 49% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Split down the middle. Uh, Roger Ebert um, was very negative about it at the time. Um, now, it was made for $35 million, came back... 118 million is what it made at the box office. So I think. Worldwide, including. Yeah, 118 million. Um, so low compared to these days. Right? Yeah, compared to these, but in terms of in comparison to a 35 million budget, I, I do feel like you know if this was its zenith, it's like it maybe just didn't quite cross. It, it, it failed. It's maybe I don't know, but in terms of I think it, it, I don't think any of the other previous films had made that much money. At the uh, box office, so it's still like at the time, it would have still been considered a success. In in terms for the modest kind of payout they gave it, uh, you know, still quite a lot of money back. They still weren't like willing to give it like the full works, were they? And this is like their premier property now. And they wanted to give it a far lower budget originally. The original budget for this film was twenty five million. So it's less than Undiscovered Country. And I think of your next gen actors. It's like for fuck's sake, we've worked our asses off for you Mm. for seven years and it's in syndication which is the big bucks you know give us this I think I'm glad that they are they get that yeah completely and you know I get the impression they up the budget for first contact I think maybe maybe that was the trade off like you know we'll give you the budget but you need to have some of the original crew in it to kind of sell it you know bring the old crowd as well so I think it's like 118 seems low when you consider it might have all the fans in the original series all the fans in the next generation and then you know it's it's the big thing everybody's talking about I think it was a cover of Time Magazine or something as well yeah 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 yeah. you know so he's got like that you know zeitgeist first ever website for publicising a movie so this oh, was the first not... well I don't know Your this facts are incorrect well <laughs> take it up Con- with Wikipedia Paul what, what's the first one Stargate oh okay wait, wait, Stargate is, is uh, right okay ah oh, but, but, but when did the website launch well, that's now that's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah see because it might have been that this like Stargate came out earlier but this had a longer run up in publicity possibly there we uh, go well, the, the jury's out right in fat fans <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so that's it for generations um, pretty much but we'll be back next month for first contact the exciting. which is yeah the first kind of I think Holy we might be building that up a little bit more because we've had Tom last month uh, who is just like our oh, first contact like oh man we're going to come to that one <laughs> yeah. you know, if you've had more of a, you know, a buzz about this one yeah um, yeah and you know rightfully so um, we will be joined next month by uh, guests we didn't we deliberately didn't have one uh, this month but we did want to just kind of come back to the three of us like we did the first three films yeah exactly and talk about this and your first experiences Mm. of it Matt but next month we're going to be joined by Stephen Trumbull uh, who's an incredibly talented stand up comedian Uh, he's also a illustrator as well storyboard artist he is indeed he's also the twin brother of uh, who our guest star for our first spotlight supplemental, David Trumbull, uh, which is still available on Podbean, iTunes. So they will sound similar, but we assure you it is a different twin. <laughs> yes. But until then, if you've got any kind of uh, feedback for us, you want to kind of say about what you thought about Generations, if you want to defend 
Shatner's final line, then you can write into us at uh, spotlightpod at gmail.com. You can also keep up to date with all the developments and Spotlight on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are available to download at iTunes, Podbean, and anywhere where podcasts can be downloaded. If you could rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe, it really, really helps. Um, you know, obviously, only rate and review us if you're going to give us an amazing review. Uh, if not, <laughs> um, but yeah no, if you could do all that that would be really really appreciated and we love seeing all your comments come in any kind of feedback and we'd love to read them out in future episodes yeah, um, I did actually hear from uh, a listener uh, recently Matt who was very unhappy with your review of Star Trek Free the Search of Spock oh this again uh, yeah no they actually wrote in and said you should be condemned to uh, many many years in Romulan prison particularly I don't know if Romulans are known for having a particularly bad prison system the worst prison system in the yeah. galaxy yeah. <laughs> but you oh, should oh, yeah, what is your personal nexus Matt oh god I don't know uh, I don't know what's yours oh I don't know but <laughs> somewhere somewhere where you find your Star Trek toys where you didn't yeah, throw yeah. your Star Trek toys away no all I came out with is Star Wars toys which probably is more of my nexus you come down to it and uh, yeah so I had the, the full works Hat-Hat my ATSD Falcon yeah I've been playing like a like a 10 year old all over again uh, I'm pretty sure there's did, videos I, of I you have, online somewhere I have this. discovered um, in transferring all my family videos there's me Christmas Day around the time of Generations um, playing my micro machines rocking back and forth a little bit Rain man <laughs> I, I must be really enjoying it uh, yeah but you know in typical generation stars at Christmas that's the happiest uh, time <laughs> exactly I mean there is actually a Christmas sequence of generations and what better Christmas gift than Star Trek generations <laughs> as we have discovered today so for me Liam it's goodbye uh, for me Paul it's goodbye and me and my brother it's farewell thank you so much